the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 377. I'm your host, Paul Spain. And I'm James Bergen. James Bergen, great to have you back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Paul Spain, thank you for having me back on the NZ Tech Podcast. <laughs> now, you've better remind listeners where you fit in because it's been a, a, a little while since we last caught up. Yeah. So, where do you fit into this world of technology here well, in I, New Zealand? Um, I'm uh, the chief architect for a large New Zealand tech company that's uh, licensed and trusted to provide financial services. Oh, what company is that? Oh, it's also known as ASB, sometimes ASB Bank. Sometimes we throw the bank on the back just to make it, you know, doubly clear. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I head up the um, architecture and technology strategy and innovation uh, parts of, of ASB. And uh, yeah, loving it. It's great. Well, there always seems to be plenty for you to do whenever we, we catch up. You've always got lots of projects on the go. And uh, there's, I guess it's fair to say there's always change going on in the financial sector. Yeah. It's one of those areas that has been uh, highlighted as, uh, as ripe for disruption. <laughs> um, and you know, I guess I, why, why I like having you on, I mean, you know, it's always good to catch up with you anyway. Um, but but also, a, you know, ASB seems to be pretty uh, pretty well invested in technology as far as banks are, are concerned. I mean, all the all the banks these days, um, you know, I think yet yeah, that that technology is a pretty key part of their mm. um, their future. And uh, um, so there's lots of things going on all over the place. But uh, you guys seem to be yeah. Generally, right, right up there, or, oh, if, or if not, not too far behind. Well, no, it is one of those things where I think if you look at, like, if you look at technology and you look at financial services, it is one of those areas where it's so much a part of our future, and it's also so much a part of our our past. Like, I, I refer to, um, I may, I can't remember if I said this last time I was on, but you know, technology is like the only industry where we talk about legacy like it's a bad thing. You know, you'd say my children are my legacy, or I want to leave my legacy behind, and then you go, oh, that technology is legacy. Yeah. So I, at back at at work, you know, we've we've worked on trying to talk about it. heritage yeah. heritage technology yes and yes. technology in the case of ASB is is part of our heritage it has always been uh, and will continue into the future no doubt yeah no so it's uh, it's it's very hard to get bored working in uh, financial services and technology it's very fast moving and changing yeah. all the time well I came I guess I came across over the weekend a, a little bit of uh, my heritage or family heritage right in technology, um, so I was uh, I was visiting my uh, uh, the the home that I've spent some of my time growing up in, and uh, my parents. Um, well, my dad's decided it's time to let that go because he's you know he's he's moved into a uh, um, uh, what do you call it a not a rest home, but that's, that's one of the uh, that's lifestyle more, village. That, yeah, well, that's more a trendy uh, term for it. So <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so so getting the home ready to, to sell, we had to go through and look through all the old stuff, and you know there was there was there were there were things that he had decided were ready to ready to ditch yep. Yep. Uh, from his perspective, and then it was up to uh, uh, me and my two brothers to go and and have a look, and you know, family members like, well, do you want that piece of art that mum created, and you know, what about these things? And um, from a technology perspective, there are a few interesting things that turned up. Um, so one was a box of old uh, punch cards. Oh, right. And that oh, used wow. to be what we would do yeah. our scribbles and drawing on as kids. But yep. it was yeah, a whole box of these cards. And you know, I was trying to explain... Um, well, some somebody in the in the family that look you know one of the and I pulled pulled one of these you know cards out and for those that aren't familiar there. Hmm, what are they? Same size yeah. as on like I'm, a postcard? Yeah, 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 but sort of postcard yeah. like, but bit longer. Yeah, uh, but that sort of size. And um, and I said, this is the this was the the USB stick <laughs> of my childhood. Um, it would just store about a billionth the amount yeah. of data. Yeah, you store you'd have it. a big stack of you them. Know, yeah, um, yeah. USB stick and. Um, yeah, so it was yeah, it was fun to see that. So I grabbed a box of those just from just from uh, you know good old memories and 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 a, celebrating a cool your heritage, taste of, right. yeah, of of the old technology. Uh, found a box for a Casio 
FX702P. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm sure there will be somebody listening who will go, I knew what that it's was. A program I had one of those. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so this was a, a, a computer or a, a, yeah, looked like a calculator, but with a bigger, wider screen, screen on yeah. it that you could uh, program the basic language yeah. on. Yeah. And so I did some of my first uh, computer programming uh, on on that. Well, see, and, it's vintage uh, tech, mate. It's retro yeah. tech. Yeah. Some of the stuff you could probably sell on eBay or trade me for make about pile. We were doing some clearing out recently, and uh, I found my old uh, Nintendo 64. And I figured, you know, my son's not going to want to be into this. You know, my kids and stuff, and they've got the Xbox One or whatever. And But I thought I'd set it up just for, you know, old time's sake and put it on. And um, they got hooked on Mario Kart, like blocky graphics on a 42-inch TV. Loving it. And then, you know, a few weeks later, one of their mates came over and he was like, oh, is that an original Nintendo 64? And I was it's, like, oh, I'm it's old actually cool now. Again. <laughs> like, this is really bad. But yeah. it's cool again. It's yeah. cool again. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's on trend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes the uh, yeah the 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 old is is kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So there were there were a few other uh, bits and pieces in there uh, as well that we we found, um, which I've I've yet to spend too much time looking through, but uh, will be it will be fun. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, lines lines of code and all yep. sorts of things. My dad was a bit of mathematician as well, so I found this one uh, found this one printout on the old school uh, uh, paper. That dot was matrix. All, yeah, the dot matrix. Line feed, line feed, yeah, yeah, line feed paper. And I was looking through at these numbers, and it was just pages and pages of numbers. And um, the first number was two, the next number was uh, three, and there was five, and then seven. Uh, maybe eleven after that, and then I looked down at the end, and the and it was basically numbers like that all the way through to uh, the last number in that series up to uh, up to a million. Um, so he, I don't know if he'd written some code to basically work out prime, prime numbers, numbers, yeah, uh, up to up to a up million. To, up to so million. That would sound sound like a wow. hobby, hobby project for him. That's, um, that's and he printed hobby. the whole lot out <laughs> as well. So yeah, yeah. well, I mean. Yeah. But I mean, it's this. The, you know, when I, when I talk about bag of work about heritage tech and how we build on top of it, so we're yeah. always reaching for the future. But you you build on top of your heritage. Mm. You know, you take something like prime numbers, and obviously that forms the basis of modern cryptography. You know, that, that it's hard to calculate divis- you know, divisible large prime numbers. So you know, there you go. Your dad was like a pioneer in cryptography, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well. Actually, that brings me one one more thing of my reminiscing. <laughs> Paul, Paul's family, I like this. this is Paul's history tour. Yeah, um, found a, an article that had been sent from. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember if it was a university or another organizer. I think it was a university in London, and it was some uh, article him and somebody else had done that was, yeah, you know, public uh, published article mm. and um, it was something to do with um, nuclear energy um, and I'd never had any idea that he had uh, just he had, as another had hobby any project. expertise in that sort of spaces cool. as yeah. well so uh, yeah there, there you go I've learned I've learned something new um, now on to our topics for this week we want to talk about uh, TV and streaming things self-driving uh, vehicles Australia and what they're up to with uh, internet service providers. Advertising Standards Authority here in New Zealand uh, setting some new guidance around um, particularly online content uh, creators and and influencers, which is is interesting. Um, A new startup, they're not uh, brand new, but I just came across them in the the last uh, few days uh, from New Zealand in the the world of of cryptocurrency. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about Xero and Rod Drury stepping down, and then it's on to you, James, to um, fill us in on, on... some of the exciting happenings in the world of banking and and tech. So that's our uh, that's our lineup. So let's uh, let let's crack into it. Um, last week, Sky TV dropped their prices, and you know we were talking about banking and disruption and so on. They're one of the most obvious sort of you know mm. companies in New Zealand who can't turn back the clock, and the move to 
online streaming, the 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 lack of a need to uh, be distributing content via yeah, satellite type uh, mechanisms uh, long term is sort of you know obviously going to uh, going to disrupt them, and it's already led to a you know pretty big impact on them. Um, so last week they uh, they announced that they were sort of halving the price on their sort of entry point into into Sky, so you get started for about $25. In uh, the scheme of it, to get exactly the same channels and whatnot, not a whole lot of difference in their in their prices. Uh, but I, I was talking um, on News Talk ZB about it when when the announcement came out. I think it was Thursday uh, Thursday after afternoon, and... I guess the, the what stood out to me was yes, this is it's it's good. They need to be uh, doing things to attract uh, more people or keep people on their on their platform. Um, but I think they need to be doing a whole lot more. Have you got any any thoughts on on this one? Are you able to talk on it? Because I know some some of these topics they might be uh, customers and things of of your bank. You might have to treat a little bit carefully. So if yeah, that's well, the case, you you just tell us. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll caveat the whole thing by saying, <laughs> yeah, I'm not speaking for ASB. It's more um, this is I, your personal. This is my personal opinion. Yeah. Nice. Um, I mean, I think, but I do think there's something you know that's connected, and we were talking a little bit before about how I can't think of an industry that isn't facing disruption at a at a you know systemic like serious level um there probably are some but i just can't think of them and and you know i one of my other sort of lame jokes that i use internally is you know you've heard the physician heal thyself kind of comment it's like you know company disrupt thyself um and you know if you if you kind of wind that like you say wind the wheel back you can't go back in time but if you were sky or any other kind of content producer 10 15 years ago if you were working on their technology strategy team you'd be sitting there saying well you know in order for someone to fully disrupt us well you'd need to have some sort of you know ubiquitous uh, high speed network that connected like high resolution you know displayed of oh, okay, come on let's let's get out of the science fiction and come back um, but that's what's happened and I think in the same way that people are saying you need to have some sort of I don't know supercomputer in your pocket that's mm. always connected to a global network yeah we have those now yeah. so, <laughs> so I mean I don't I, I never uh, you know if you've read any of Clayton Christensen's work on you know the innovators dilemma or um you look at sort of the, the examples that are often used like netflix and blockbuster which is relevant to this one or um kodak is another one that's used a lot um i'm very cautious about ever kind of going yeah see oh, they're so silly or oh, how could they not see this coming <laughs> um sometimes it's a matter of seeing it coming but then you've got a reality you've got to try and measure up you've got to make this is the incumbencies um, how, do, how do you make right? those maneuvers how, how right. do you get it right yeah the, the, the sky one's interesting because you've had a um yeah consistency at the ceo level you know for quite some period um you know one thing for me around disruption is i i think that maybe the way that a lot of um yeah leadership is is rewarded within some firms isn't conducive to actually doing delivering good strategy okay um because you know there's a there's a reward based on you know what happens in the current financial year not you know coming up with something that's really smart and it's going to help the business in, in 10 years time yeah yeah, yeah. maybe maybe there are some structures around that that are a lot better now um, but I haven't heard too many stories about you know hearing where where you know boards are re- rewarding their their CEOs and so on uh, based on them coming up with cunning strategy that uh, will will have you know great paybacks in five or, or ten years time. It's, it does seem to be quite quite focused a bit more on the on the here and <laughs> well, now. And I think that's why Christensen calls it a dilemma, right? Yeah. Like at the point yeah. where you're having to say we could do this and chase this new world, um, oh, it means we'll need to cannibalise our existing revenues, and you're left going who wants to have that conversation with the, with the board of directors and with the shareholders and say this is you're going to have to expect yeah. the kind of return. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a it's a tricky one. Yeah, not not an easy one for them. And then um, Scott uh, Spark have extended their um, uh, partnership with Netflix, so they've been giving away uh, you know net, Netflix um, to customers uh, along with Lightbox, which is interesting and. Uh, they're um, they're extending that out for uh, for for another year. So um, some pretty interesting stuff going on there. We could 
delve into that sort of strategy of you know Spark having their their own offering in Lightbox and investing in that, mm. while while also sort of cozying up uh, to to Netflix. Um, yeah, and I think there's all, all sorts of angles and the thoughts you come off uh, come up with, but. Look, that seems to be working for them, and mm. we were chatting before the podcast, and you know, you were saying that was that was something that had, that had influenced your, your own, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, personal buying uh, decisions. So, uh, look, you know, good good on uh, good on Spark for their uh, their moves there. It's one of those challenges, I think, that if you're trying to decommoditize, right? If you're trying to make something which has become a commodity, become so um, interchangeable that people don't really care so much about where the bits and the bytes are coming from in the case of of the telcos um how do you say to your customers here's my point of difference i've got something else and mm. uh, you know I, I i'm when i look at what spark's doing just from a customer point of view um you know we'll, we'll throw more in we'll throw more in we'll package we'll bundle and so i'm not thinking about spark the provider of my phone anymore like it kind of seems funny to think about telecom yeah in the days and spot the dog and all that and it's my phone instead i'm now thinking about them as this provider of a number of services that are wrapped around my life which is exactly what they would want i'm guessing Mm, mm. um and it's a lot of these other subscription services where that's the idea is to try and meet you in your life where you're at um then it's much harder to sort of do a comparison with someone else because you're like oh well i don't really get this and i don't get that Mm, so no i think they're um and it's really interesting the double play there right? with Lightbox their own thing and then Netflix and a sort of a if you can't beat them join them sort of model um, I imagine Sky and a few others were probably hoping that that was just a one off deal and they were going to bring it to an end so to extend it for another 12 months uh, yeah I think customers will be happy. I'm oh guessing. yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to ask someone how how they came up with that at some stage in in the future because it's quite a gutsy uh, gutsy yeah. move actually to um, you know be be offering something competes with their own offering. But I think yeah, in, in the long run, probably going to work out mm. uh, reasonably well for them. Now, self-driving uh, cars. This is a you know a topic that we we often end up talking about because it's one of those areas of technology that um, I think just really captures the imagination. It's something that you know so often there are there are interesting things that technology may deliver one day in the future, and and this is uh, it's so interesting because there are elements of it that are here. Yeah, now, right now, yeah, um, but there's also, a, 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 you know, I think a, a lot of thought of, well, this is a very long way out, or no, this will will never happen. Hmm. Um, but it is progressing along, and um, the article that that caught my interest in in the last few days, one of the articles was um, about there being a a little bit of a sort of a, a, a turf war between. Hmm. Um, Arizona and and California, where um, in Arizona they've made it a very attractive place for the tech firms and the auto firms to be testing out their self driving vehicles. Mm. So they've they've just really lowered lowered the barrier, so it's quite easy for this testing to go on. Um, California uh, has been pretty pretty reasonable, I, I suppose, but. Um, as as a place to, to um, test these cars, and of course, when you've got Silicon Valley based there, and there's you know a lot of yeah. the the auto uh, makers now have bases uh, there in the San Francisco Bay Area that are working on all of this tech, and uh, you know Tesla in there, right there. Uh, yeah. as well. Um, look, you know, of course. You want to be uh, facilitating them doing business and staying in in your state if you're California, uh, but you've also got other considerations like these things mm. uh, not behaving and you know killing people and so on. Would, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, hopefully no. not, but yeah. I, but I think it's it's, it's actually well, carrying, that's the risk. Isn't that's it? the risk. That is the risk. Yeah. They're, they're, that's the it's a continuation of that theme, right? Like if you're if you're a, a state in the in the US or if you're you know a country around the rest of the world. You've got to think that there's some people who are kind of casting their mind out and saying, well, we've got our infrastructure and our funding and our strategy is all built around certain things that have been true for a long period of time. And automotive technology has been the same for a long period of time since Mr. Ford did some work, I think. So you could sit there and go, well, that's just going to be fundamentally the same forever and that way we can just 
space ourselves on. Or you can try and disrupt yourself and go, well, we need to embrace the fact that this is happening, this this change is happening, this technology is changing. Um, let's force ourselves to to get right on the forefront of it as it looks like Arizona is. Because you're right, California didn't sort of start out and go, we're going to be fantastic for autonomous vehicles. It's, they ended up being fantastic for tech and then autonomous vehicles kind of came out of tech. Mm. So everyone was like, well, let's make it drive really nicely around the Stanford campus because that's my alma mater or something. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, has to kind of go, hang on, here's a point of difference, come to us. But if they don't, then all the new, you know, cutting edge, if I'm being a little bit cynical, taxes and, <laughs> you know, some of the financial models, which which they will, um, will just be disrupted and they'll be left looking at it going, oh, if only we'd been involved. So, hmm. yeah, hmm. more credit to them in terms of getting involved. There's, it would be good to see, in terms of the actual technology moving forward, it would be good to see maybe some of this, the states that have got a bit um, more of a variation in weather um, maybe getting involved. So, I don't know, Massachusetts or, um, you know, uh, um, Oklahoma. I mean, something, well, Oklahoma is very similar again, but like yeah. even Washington or something like that. Mm. Because I know, as if you, I mean, Paul, you follow the tech as much as I do. I think, you know, rain, um, snow, these are things that tend to throw off radar and lidar a bit and so going from california where every time i've been there i've never seen any rain um to arizona which i haven't been to but i can only imagine there being even less rain so they work really well on you know sunny sunny (laughs) yeah yeah well certainly when i've been in arizona uh a couple of occasions the yeah the the weather's been uh, it's been it's been pretty warm so maybe there's some of the other states can come uh, in and go, well, our point of difference is let's yeah. really test it on snow conditions. We'll or, try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, I get the, the bit that um, stood out from, from this article is, you know, that, yeah, there is this competition going on. And um, the, the, the latest uh, piece of clarity is that autonomous vehicles – can go on the road in Arizona. Um, th- this is what's been clarified by the uh, the governor uh, Doug Ducey. There uh, is make- basically making making it official mm. that fully driverless cars with nobody behind the wheel are allowed to operate there. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, that's extremely clear, isn't it? And it means these vehicles have actually got to be really, really good if you don't have anybody that can actually grab the wheel and, uh, you know, stop them and so on. I think you can take it a bit far, right? So it's one thing to say, let's embrace this and get on there. And as, as the, the governor talks about with policy frameworks and updates, but then to go straight to the extreme, you don't want to go too far ahead of the tech. I, I would also, <laughs> if the governor's listening, just, be, just monitor, monitor where the technology is at. There is some there is some wisdom on these things where uh, safety is concerned, and and you know, and I'm and I'm sure they must have uh, they must have sought, sought oh, yeah. through those things. Um, and on a related note, I saw uh, Toyota's putting uh, two point uh, billion into uh, a new venture, two point eight billion uh, US into a new venture that's mm. very much focused on uh, autonomous vehicles. So uh, really, we, we're we're seeing. Investment and all over the place really to, to play in that space. Now this is interesting from Toyota because they've already been investing in this space for some time. Yeah, and with the Olympics coming up in uh, is it Tokyo, Tokyo yeah. in two years? I I recall going back hmm, maybe a, maybe a couple of a year or two ago, uh, or maybe it's maybe it's longer. It could be three years ago uh, that the challenge was put on the Japanese automakers uh, by the government. That uh, for by the time of the Olympics, they want autonomous vehicles to uh, okay. to be on the roads there. Right. So uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh, that Toyota is still sort of you know starting and figuring out new you know investments and and business <laughs> units in this space. While Time's the, ticking. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 clock is uh, is ticking, and they don't have uh, uh, they don't have a you know huge amount of t- time if they're going to uh, going to to meet that deadline, so yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be a, a, a curious one to uh, to watch. Now on to um, on to some New Zealand, I guess, specific uh, stuff. We've got the Advertising Standards Authority that have. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, maybe spent a bit of time thinking about this, but um, but they have uh, landed on uh, something, and they're starting now to give some uh, guidance around these sort of online influencers. And we've got this whole thing that's uh, created this this group of influencer uh, people, and you know they can really come from anywhere, but they're they're people that. I guess are considered to uh, to have a fair bit of influence, usually through social media mm. um, or blogs or you know YouTube, but it tends to be sort of social or or uh, or the you know video type uh, type platforms. Um, and yeah, we've now got uh, advertising standards authority setting some guidance there. So uh, if you are doing what they consider advertising and you're not uh, declaring it, um, that may lead to some um, some issues for you in the future. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of good that there's a bit of clarity around that um, around that here. Um, the US seem to have, you know, they've got a, a number number of rules. I'm not sure how strong they are uh, with the influencer segment in terms of their clarity on uh, on all things. But there's certainly a lot of rules around uh, journalists and you know what they what they can and can't do, and mm. you know how things are awarded. So um, I'll certainly be having having a, a good look over this. I've had a, had an initial look. Um, one that we one that we chatted through. Um, we had, had a look at just before uh, the show was uh, an, an example of somebody that got given some free product and and uh, talked about it on YouTube. Uh, it was a, an example um, of a vlogger uh, receiving a skincare product to review. Um, and yeah, it was interesting there that the there wasn't a clear cut uh, commentary from the Advertising Standards Authority. Um, they were saying this is likely to be an advertisement um, if you know if the vlogger you know goes ahead and uh, goes ahead and, and agrees that they'll definitely uh, you know talk about this this product um, on the basis the advertiser has control over the content and it should be clearly identified as such so that's going to be a bit of a bit of a gray line and hard to uh, hard to mm. define I you know I would imagine I mean I talk about all sorts of products be it you know radio TV yeah. here on the podcast social media um, and look I'm not going to have somebody control what I say about any of the content I'm going to give my opinion you know if I don't think it's that great I'll I'll, I'll say so um, if I think there there are you know there are good good things about it then then I'll uh, I'll, I'll say that and um, I and I had a, a recent situation come come up with um, uh, TV3 and uh, and Samsung and um, what was it? What was the scenario? So, um, and this is uh, this is curious to me the way all these things work. But we're starting to get into uh, somewhat muddy waters with with our uh, mainstream media in terms of how they look for a return. And so, in this case, there was a you know particular um, story, and uh, that as. Uh, Public relations companies do. Samsung's public relations company, you know, pitched it uh, to uh, uh, pitched it to TV, and uh, TV sort of said, "Oh, mm, yeah, that we would we would need that to be a paid spot to be able to put it to air," which is re- really interesting in terms of the you know, I guess the. Um, um, uh, the challenges now of drawing a line on what should be editorial and what yeah. should be paid for, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, how, how do you draw that line? Or, yeah. or And what will that look like, I guess, a few years down the track? Is it just – will it just be if you're a big company yeah, right. and there's a new story about – or you've got some new product – then there's exposure, Apple, you know, so, yeah. Apple, whoever, yeah. um, where the media just sort of pushes back and says, "Look, there'll be a fee because yeah. we we know you can afford it." So, um, <laughs> going to ask for it? it yeah, it's, it's it's kind of interesting. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think probably those media outlets would would generally say, "Look, we will look at it from a newsworthy perspective," but of course, they they also need income, and as the income channels get get. Um, you know, more more challenging, shall we say, compared to 
uh, in the old days when everybody sat and watched TV or, mm. you know, it was a, a you know, very large audiences. And now with people moving to the, the Netflix type offerings, um, yeah, you know, it's going to be it's going to be harder, right? So, well, I mean, it's uh, the, from the ASA's own thing where they talk about an influencer, right? As mm. someone who has access to an audience by virtue of their established credibility and authenticity, and you know, then goes on, and it's pretty funny. I think nowadays seeing like legal language and then having to put yes. in words like vloggers, bloggers, tweeters, Instagrammers, journalists. <laughs> I mean, it starts reading like a Roald Dahl poem or something, right? Yeah. But I think that that point around the um, the connection to credibility and authenticity, mm. the, the if an influencer through whichever medium you're accessing said influencer um, you are influenced by them because you believe that they are authentic and they're credible and that mm. aligns with something that something within you mm. um, anything that flies in the face of that authenticity or credibility obviously puts the influencer at risk mm. for their influence which is mm. the very mm. kind of currency mm. they're dealing in um, so I, I, I think you know you've seen on sort of Instagram and others the hashtag ad and you know the sort of self policing or an attempt to try and sort of mm, say mm. hey look well I'll tell you when this was when this was uh, something that I got given for free because of the 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 danger of I'm going to get called out as being fake yeah. and then a whole bunch of people are going to leave because the whole thing is authentic and we were talking mm. before the show you know one of the great things about podcasting as a medium is that it's not designed to be you know, polished and refined, although this is pretty polished and refined, <laughs> I have to say. But in general, it's not, it's not a, um, it's designed to be more narrow cast. It's designed mm. to be, you know, aimed to people and having a conversation and having a chat. So many of the social um, uh, media were designed that same way. Instagram was for you to share some photos with your mates. And Stream then it's just, thought and yeah, right. So on, right. And then just, it just happened just to be very, that it real and took off. And yeah. now, you know, there's a million people checking out your feed. And so while you're at it, they're asking what that watch is that you're wearing or the shoes or whatever mm. else. So I can sort of see how it naturally gets there. But it's mm. interesting as you play back the other side of it, which is to say the other traditional industries, again, mm. this theory of disruption, right? And this um, theme of disruption. Traditional industries getting their revenue from a certain source and that source drying up. You can't really sit there and go, oh, it's not, that's not fair that you're trying to get money from another way. Yeah, no, but not at all. if the if it gets pushed too far in a direction, then you're left going, well, hang on, but where's I, the authenticity and credibility? And I guess that's, that comes down to the audiences to police it, doesn't yeah. it? And you know, I'll look at the New Zealand Herald and there'll be a stream of you know, normal content and then there'll be something that's sponsored. Mm. And I think what, what this move to that sort of sponsored and paid for content does is it puts a a huge amount of onus on those that are involved to make it really good because mm. otherwise, you know, who's going to read Why it? They can see it? this, yeah. that it's sponsored. Yeah. Um, but, if yeah, if you do make it good, then you read it and, look, it, it reads like another article if it's a topic and an area that you're interested in and, and it informs you. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't matter that there's a sponsor as long as the the view on it is uh, is reasonably fair. Mm. But of course, if you keep seeing these things and they are skewed, then yeah, then then you're going to have uh, then you're going to have a problem. Right? It's, a, it's definitely an interesting time as all these these things these worlds kind of collide. Mm. You know, and and it, and you see the different tactics emerging, right? So you, at the bottom of all sorts of news sites now, you see the outbrain stuff, and it's yes. all link bait. You know, ads and click on this and click on that. And you go, well, this feels like it's diluting the quality of the content. But then I'm left going, well, they're trying to get attention in a world where attention is so hard to get because everyone's so saturated with, uh, with with media being flung at them. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the Standards Authority trying to sort of pull some some standards, some guidelines is um, a, worth, a worthy endeavor. Whether they can get the right balance, um, I guess, sort of remains to be seen. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we're definitely going to have to watch this. I th- and I think uh, for me, because I've listened to podcasts so long and listened to, to podcasters that I think, have re- you know, really got this stuff right, um, you know, it's helped me get, I think, a reasonable sort of perspective on it. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to have their, gonna ha- going to have their own opinion, aren't they? I'm just waiting for, like, the Snapchat right. of a Kardashian listening to NZ Tech podcast <laughs> and then having to say, oh, that was a hashtag ad. Oh, no, I'm just a big fan, just a big fan. Yeah. Well, mm, not sure that um, we, we're we quite in the, um, in the in the category for that one, but... Um, don't say yeah, we've got, we've got, we do have some famous listeners like uh, James uh, Bergen from uh, oh, AS, yeah, ASP. Look, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, all right, now on to uh, 
on to what did we want to talk about uh, next? Oh, um, I saw something come come up in the news around um, Australia considering uh, making it illegal for internet service providers to uh, advertise inflated speeds. It seems like they've got some some uh, well a few, a few issues there with you know internet providers advertising speeds and then delivering way way off them. I think we're probably in a much better state here in New Zealand where you know that's had some control in the past and people have been slapped if they do uh, if they do get you know carried away and hence why no one can advertise you know I don't think advertise any more sort of gigabit uh, ultra fast broadband speeds because you you don't quite get uh, uh, you don't to quite get numbers, that yeah. uh, you know even though yeah you could say well technically it's a gigabit connection but there's these other things that, yeah. that take a, a you know the edge off and you end up with 900 megabits or something yeah um, well it was like the, the thing before around the, the decommoditizing of it right so when you all you can do is go megabits of so numbers so yes. it was like it was like you know when Intel and AMD and it was all about how fast the processor was and who had more megahertz and then more gigahertz and, mm. and then after a while it just becomes quite arcane and really only followed by those of us who are quite close to the industry and then the same things happen with with um, you know broadband speeds so long as you get in front of the customer the vast majority of customer demand enough mm. so as long mm. as customers are able to access their streaming content and everything's going fine they're not really sitting there worrying about their you know their, their, what what lag they're getting and the ping they're getting and all this other stuff that those who are who are using it for different you know means are. Mm. But when you are below that threshold, everyone cares, and then yeah. it's, then you're yeah, talking yeah. about how you're bigger and better and faster than the guy next to you. Yeah, I do think anything that that calls out um, really egregious, <laughs> shall we say, you know, advertising that's just way off. I'm always a fan of that being called out because yeah. that's not something you want to you want to see because again, it comes back to that credibility thing. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's um, it's it's a, it's a good point. We you know we don't we don't want that sort of advertising. And uh, look, the Aussies just need to catch up, eh? <laughs> um, now on to um, zero. So yeah, this this caught me by surprise, and that's my impression from uh, uh, from most you know people that I've chatted to is they certainly didn't have uh, any idea that Rod Drew would be um, you know stepping down as CEO of Zero. I haven't heard any hints from him in the past. Um, certainly, it's not as I catch up with him or, or, or see him um, yeah particularly often. He's he's a pretty busy man. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah just from the different bits and pieces over the years. Um, I've been you know lulled into thinking well. You know, Rod Drury staying the CEO of uh, Zero Forever. Um, obviously, that's uh, that, that's about to change. Mm. It's a big change. Yeah, um, it is something where I think, like I was reading through the article, eleven years, eleven years at the sort of helm of Zero, and uh, you know that's that's something where you look at the growth and you look at what they've achieved, and and uh, you know again, just keep talking about disruption of industry, but just sort of seeing um, a New Zealand success story, incredible um, success. It really story. is, and yeah. the growth is just staggering um but you know his the the sort of the the line that's being used a lot out there is that he's sort of saying um that the next the next phase of zero Mm. needs a different uh skill set or a different um a different person at the helm and i kind of look at that and go after 11 years i wouldn't begrudge him (laughs) and i'd also say as we were talking a little bit before you know you look at some of the really successful tech companies globally Mm. and you do see that right you get the the founder takes it to a certain point Mm. and then to take it to that next stage typically around IPOs there's a lot of it then where it's like you need to have a different kind of caliber of people mm, that are able mm. to then take it to that next stage well apple was a apple was an interesting sort of case with that where you know steve uh steve jobs himself you know brought in and, and you know courted um the uh the the ceo of uh you know pepsi to uh, to come in and, and run the company and uh you know it, it, it didn't quite go as uh, as as he might have hoped mm. Um, that might be an understatement. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fair to say. Um, but the time that, that Jobs had away from the company, uh, I think was probably cr- critical for his development. And then when he, you know, when he came back in later on, uh, that, that 
you know actually worked worked really well mm. um, and there I think there are you know if you look across the most successful companies there are lots of uh, you know different examples of uh, you know leadership changes and certainly there there have been uh, Plenty of bad ones. I think you know it's fair to say where that hasn't panned out, uh, hasn't panned out particularly well. Look, looking at zero, I I don't feel too pessimistic about their future. To be to be fair, I, you know I don't think it's not as though Rod's sort of completely disappearing or, or anything. He's going to be on the board. Yeah. Um. You know he's talking about being involved in ongoing uh, innovation for uh for zero, uh, and they've got you know lots of really really smart people. So um you know. I, I would tend to think that look, you know, they've grown to to this point. Uh, was it one point two million uh, mm. customers? And um, yeah, it, it's taken me by surprise, but I'm uh, I'm not panicked. I'm not a current shareholder. Have been uh, have been in the past, but you know, if I were at the moment, would I be you know panicking and selling my shares? No, I, I, you know, I would I would imagine um, that. This you know this this change isn't going to uh, destroy the company or you know or, or anything like they've, that. They've definitely done a great job building a really strong talent base, and I mean that's that is very hard to do in a small market like New Zealand, um, getting amazing talent and keeping amazing talent. So I think that um, you know it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, Rod's not the kind of person who's just going to go quietly off into the sunset. Like I think whatever he's doing next is going to be. Um, I'm sure exciting, and we'll be <laughs> we'll probably be talking about it um, with, uh, before too long past. But um, I, you know, I wish him very well and and what he does next. Um, Absolutely, I think he's uh, done a great job with Zero to get to this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll look look forward to uh, hearing what that is, and um, yeah, it'll be great to hear from him again in a, in a in another show. And you know, he's. Uh, yeah, been very generous with his time, and you know, having come on the the New Zealand Tech podcast in the in the past, and uh, yeah, I hope we'll uh, we'll hear from him again in the not too distant uh, future. Now, um, one firm that I hadn't come across uh, is one whose name is I N V S T A Investor. Um, with a slightly different spelling to it, uh, I'll put a link up in the uh, I'll put a link up in the show notes uh, for those that are uh, that are interested. Um, this they title themselves as the first global cryptocurrency investment platform built for accessibility and simplicity. So I don't know, you know, this accessibility, I don't know, they're gearing up for blind people, which is often, uh, you know, know, people that have, um, uh, you know, need more accessible systems. I didn't see any references to that. But, yeah, I think um, they've they've set up this new platform. They're uh, they're currently, I think, about to launch into beta. So you can go in and uh, and register now. And, in fact, it says here, register for beta access below and we'll credit $10 into your crypto wallet when you open an account. So, um, look, if I was listening to this uh, podcast and I was uh, still at school, then I'd certainly be signing up to keep up with the latest to get some free money, Um, (laughs) some free crypto. uh, Kind of, um, you know, I guess... Uh, common and some, you know, the way of sort of incentivizing people to try out things, just like we've seen with the likes of Uber and Uber Eats, you get some, you know, freebies to start with. Um, so I don't, I don't know their uh, their full story, but it looks like it's uh, um, uh, they they refer to crypto traded uh, portfolio. So you know, I guess you're you're investing. With them, and then behind the scenes, they're uh, they're investing into uh, these these different portfolios. So they talk about a Bitcoin portfolio, uh, top five altcoin portfolios, which is you know five different cryptocurrencies excluding Bitcoin. Their top ten coin portfolio, uh, which is is what they you know believe are the top ten uh, cryptocurrency uh, opportunities, including Bitcoin, uh, and and then some other uh, bits and pieces. So I thought, oh, this is uh, this is this is rather rather curious, mm. and um, def- definitely one I'll be keen to see how they go. Uh, they they. Um, 
I'm trying to find the uh, the detail of sort of you know where 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 they've come from and what they've uh, um, been involved in, but I think um, uh, they've had some involvement there from uh, Kiwi uh, Kiwi banks. Um, and they're the, the accelerator. They're, they're, they're accelerator. Uh, here we go. Um, yeah, they listed being supported by Creative HQ, uh, Kiwi Bank, Kiwi Tech, uh, Kiwi Bank uh, FinTech Accelerator, um, which is a type with Lightning Lightning Lab. So um, yeah, kind of uh, kind of interesting. So I've uh, I've jumped through the hoops and filled in my email address. It wasn't too hard. <laughs> Uh, I'm not quite sure what's next. Um, yeah, but uh, but there you go. This will be this will be a curious one to watch. But it it might be, I guess, a, a more simplistic way for people who are curious and think that they m- maybe can make a lot of money or some money out of cryptocurrency uh, to dabble in it. If you're uh, um, yeah, you're in, investing in this uh, portfolio type uh, type approach because I guess they take care of all all of that behind the scenes, and uh, you know you give them real money and um, you know hope not to lose it, and maybe 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 you you hope to get a lot more back. Um, kind of uh, interesting because I, I don't recall having seen anybody else with this approach. Have you? No, I mean I I, I haven't. Um, I don't know much. More much or slash anything other than what I've seen from the website of uh, of the uh, um, investor uh, company. Yeah. But I think that um, uh, the the whole area is one that's so dynamic and has so much stuff going on in it, which is something where it is it's difficult to make what is quite complicated, shall we say. Um, it's difficult to make that easy. Um, mm. It's maybe easy to promise that you will, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know whether or not they'll be able to pull it off. Yeah, um, I guess from my point of view, I, and I this is the part where I would just say, you know, I'm not a licensed financial advisor, and I am not providing financial advice. What I would say is, it's always good to talk to a. You do always say that when we. I should always open up. I do. Don't, yeah, that's right. I'm not a financial advisor. Up, that's you right. start and you I spiel start it off. with my spiel and say I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor. Um, but I think that when you are talking, and this is the thing that's been really interesting about the whole area, is when you are talking, you know, real money. Um, uh, and we don't even need to get into a whole different debate around what real money is. But when you're taking your hard-earned cash and you're putting it into any kind of investment, um, I'd always say um, speak to a licensed financial advisor and then they can sort of work through the details. Because when you talk about portfolio uh, investing, mm. um, it, whether it's uh, crypto or any other portfolio of commodities, um, me personally, I always sit there with a quite a uh, low tolerance for risk. So I'm always trying to get an expert mm. who can tell me what's going mm. on. Mm. Um, and any time I've seen an attempt to try and make it something really, really complicated, just really easy, when underlying it is a high level of complexity that's not easy to sort of just get rid of, um, it doesn't always go that well. Um, and hey, maybe these guys crack it and it's amazing mm. and it's brilliant, but. Mm. Um, that's where I would always go with is uh, speak to your licensed financial advisor. <laughs> Thank you for that, James. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the discussions I've had with people that does it really crosses into the, the the tech world. I'm not sure we talked about it on the podcast before. Um, is uh, a bunch of people tell me, Paul, you need to be investing in the index funds right. and look, you know, read Ray Dalio and boom, 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 these things and look, history states that over the last, you know, X number of decades this, that, yeah. you know, invest, this is the best way to invest and it's, you know, beaten out other, you know, other other approaches and um, I guess if anyone's heard that and they think, oh yeah, that's the, that's the track to go down, um, the my thought is that the disruption, the disruptive times that we're in, mean that the traditional approaches to investing, uh, I don't think you can have the same level of confidence in. So that idea of investing in the blue chip, the top firms, and you know all these sorts of things. Actually, we don't know where they're all going to be five, ten, fifteen years out, and most of them, uh, you know, don't you know can't can't predict the future either. So, um, General Electric was uh, you know such a stable company for a very long time, and uh, you know just in the last few months, their uh, you know their share prices has dropped to you know less less than half of what it was a, a year ago. So, you know, th- there aren't really 
from my non-official, not an investment advisor <laughs> perspective, yeah, right. uh, you know, there there aren't too many sort of safe bets in the in it, this space. It's very hard, as um, I was saying, about to simplify it down, right? Yeah, it's, it's so inherently complex. You're talking about yeah. trying to predict the future and things like that. And I mean, I you know, I, I say with you know with good uh, good spirit about um, you know not being a licensed financial advisor. I mean, I say that when I'm at like barbecues and stuff, and family yeah, and yeah. friends go, "Can you give me financial <laughs> advice?" and I go, "No," and they go, "Oh, is it because you're not a licensed financial advisor?" I said, "Yeah, that." And I'm not very good at financial advice because if I would, I'd, you know, I'd give it to myself and follow it. Yeah. Um, I think because there's so many moving parts, that's why the whole financial advisor thing came into the mix, that you actually mm-hmm. need to have someone who's trained and licensed and can understand mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely can't predict it, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and even those trained, you know, those trained people, um, they don't have all the answers and all the, all, all the future either, right? No. Um, if, but, if, but if you do meet one who has all the answers and is able to predict the future, I, I'll give you my card and I either want to talk to them or offer them a job, I think. Well, we do have our new podcast launching soon, which is about uh, investing for, for everyday Kiwis. So um, there will uh, there'll be some certainly some discussion on there. But no, we won't have uh, – well, we might the have – Next time I'm on, you we might, we might have all, We might have all of the answers – Intermingled with things that that, uh, that may, may, may not may not be the, the <laughs> right, right answers, right? That's reality. We don't we don't we don't know at all. Um, okay, now time, James, for you to give us a bit of an update on ASB. I know you sort of see. Look, just talk about whatever talk you know, whatever the tech that. news because you enjoy talking about that. But yeah. I would actually quite like to um, you know know yeah. what you guys are up to. Now I saw um, Chris Thompson posted on LinkedIn. Uh, I know, just noticed this, I think, yesterday about Josie. Yes. Um, now, this is you know technology from FaceMe, and we talked about their tech because I saw it at the airport uh, with Vi mm-hmm. a few weeks ago with their sort of AI assistant to answer um, you know questions of it to do with um, what you could do with your luggage and mm-hmm. you know ver- varying other um, things and you know to, to answer questions about whether you're allowed to carry apples and into the country and whatnot. Spoiler um, alert, no. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't asked why, but I'm guessing that was the answer, no. Yeah. I yeah. think you probably, well, that's what the answer should be. Um, <laughs> the second time I started asking questions, I got a very blank face from Vi. Right. Um, tell us about Josie, because it's the, it's the similar technology yeah. from FaceMe. Yep. Um, so is this kind of the next generation of the chatbot type uh, sort of technology, but for more in-person rather than you at your computer screen type uh, yeah. scenarios? Yeah, they, well, they, you just summarized it beautifully, Paul. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an avatar, right? A digital avatar. Mm. Mm. And I mean, when you're interacting with something like uh, like Josie or or, um, or Vi, you know, you, you're, you're testing different things than you are when you're interacting with a chatbot. And um, yes, you're still talking about, you know, question and response type testing mm. but um with with josie you're able to test um you know responding differently to different emotion because now i'm trying to pick up the sentiment in your voice and maybe i should change my facial expression and you know so such a large percentage of communication is non-verbal so being able to test that out and it's one of those things where um you know for a long time i think we've sort of explored uh, around the edges and then this is a good example of us trying to tackle um, tackle something head on. Mm. So with Josie, it's uh, it's about small to medium enter- SME customers, small medium enterprise customers, um, and starting to see whether or not we can um, further um, answer some of the questions as they come in. Yeah, right. So where 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 do you put Josie so that the small to medium business can come in customers and, can yeah. can you know come across her? So to begin with, in in um, some of our fantastic branches, our customer um, meeting branch, spaces. Yeah, yeah. So spaces that you go <laughs> when you want to meet with people in the real world. I mean, to start with, yeah, as you would have seen with Vi, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's interaction um, with a you know, big screen and mm. so that it can read your facial expressions and, and then be able to respond to it. And the technology is pretty impressive where it's, you know, even just seeing how it's evolved over the last couple of years mm. to a mm. point where you can you know, start to figure out that the person isn't in the best space, um, not because I've used a whole bunch of sad face emoji. Um, and, then, <laughs> and so I want to respond, respond to it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's something which I think is quite exciting to sort of see and, and um, yeah, it's something to, to, to test and learn and, and see what our customers think and see if it's solving problems for them. Um, you know, I talk about internally how AI, yes, artificial intelligence, but you know, one of the angles we take on it is augmented intelligence. Mm. So we have got amazing people who work for us on the, in, in the front line, as we call it, um, out there with talking with our customers every single day. Um, and if we can augment 
what they're already able to offer with with other things um, like like Josie fantastic and so that's kind of really the the, the story there yeah yeah uh, I mean I think we're in an interesting time as, as a lot of these technologies develop and you know Alexa you know you just set off a whole bunch of people's <laughs> Google <laughs> so right. we've got these, these things going on uh, a lot of the results from utilizing the technology is you know, it's 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 not amazing just yet, right? It's it's um, it's sort of subpar, but it means we can get a taste and, and get started. So it is really interesting just to see, you know, how people are testing it and utilising it, or where they've worked out how to work within the limitations and constraints, and yeah. and use these things for what they are good at. And that, and that's quite a key point. Is like what what are some of the things where you go back to my augmented intelligence comment? Some of our people, you know, they can do a whole bunch of things for our customers. There's some stuff which actually uh, only they can do. So no software or tech is going to do that. If we can get them focused on that and free up some of their time to really focus on that by giving some of the tasks that they that that can be performed by others. So mm-hmm. your example of you know how many times do you need to, a math official to tell you you can't bring apples into the country? Not enough. Not in, a, in, some, <laughs> in some cases, I would like them inspecting for probably a little more dangerous. I mean, I'm, apples are dangerous in the wrong hands. I get that. But, you know, you're trying to free up and give them some more capacity for the stuff that only they can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, you mentioned just before we started Mm. online FPOS, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, well, that's not new. We've had FPOS machines that are online Online. and connected to the internet before and don't need a dial-up. But I seem to have missed missed the whole story. Actually, you can go online and do a a transaction now without a credit card with an FPOS card, and then you get a confirmation sort of code come through yeah. your your smartphone um, to okay that? Yeah, so this is something that we did with, um, that we launched uh, last year in, in partnership with Paymark um, ourselves and then some of the other banks are now starting to as well. FPOS is such an amazing, you know, Kiwi invention and we're so lucky to have it, proud to have it, had it for so many years, but it, it doesn't really work on the internet. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, so this was a, how do we how do we tackle that? And so the way it works is if you're an ASB customer right now, if you've got an ASB mobile, um, the app installed and up and running, then you're able to receive uh, notifications from online FBOS. And you go along to um, you know the list of merchants keeps growing. But if you go to say Mighty Ape or Burger Fuel or something like that, and you're on Mighty Ape and you're getting your shopping cart, and at the end of it you say I want to pay, then it goes How would you like to pay? If you choose online FBOS, you type in your the phone number that's registered with your mobile app, mm. and then you get a real-time notification that then pops up in your ASB mobile app saying, do you want to authorize $150 for Mighty App or whatever your, your sure. thing is? Purchases. And you yeah. go, yes, right there and then, type in your PIN to be able to say yes, mm. and then it's done, and it's instant, and it's straight out of your account, and it's done in real time. Right. Now, in a lot of cases, I don't think it's going to be of too much interest to consumers because they maybe pay the same price anyway. Mm. But there's one particular case that stands out to me, which is the airlines that usually like to, you know, whack us with, with fees for that sort of stuff. Um, at the at the moment, and I'm not, I don't think you've got any airlines on board with this yet, although, you know, if any of them are listening, then hello. Um, <laughs> this, you know, because, I, you know, certainly I don't like having to pay the... Whatever you know, I can't remember an international fare. Maybe it's thirty dollars or whatever, and that's and that's probably per person as well. So you you know you're booking for a family. It's uh, it's like oh, I just lost you know hundred dollars there and and fees or something reasonably mm. easily. Um, at the moment, they do have an alternative mm-hmm. that um, maybe they would say is the equivalent of this. Mm. I'd say the difference. Uh, on, I forget the name of the alternative. It's you're going to remind me if you. Um, well, there, there's there's a few of them out there, and, and usually okay. what they point towards is you you give your username and password to your banking account and uh, to online banking, and then kind of on behalf of you they do the transfer because in effect those charges that you're seeing when you use your credit card is usually justified by organisations around the world with the fact that you can. Um, you can dispute the transaction. You can charge back. So yeah. they're, they're catering for that. Yeah. Well, you might not pay your bill, and then it you know doesn't come through. Yeah. So what they're looking for is a debit-based transaction with it's cleared funds. What online FPOS does is that there's no there's no passing of your username and password to anyone um, behind the scenes. It's an API call that's being made for those who are programmatically inclined. But for the average consumer, what it means is you give your um, you type your phone number in, and in future that could be any 
token that we want to use. Um, and then you are in control. You're the one who then goes approve from inside the mobile app. Yeah. So yeah. it's safe and secure because you're not passing any um, confidential or critical information like your username and password yeah. to, a, to another third party. Now, the one I was thinking of, I think, was Polly. Um, it seems to me what they're doing is it's actually quite dodgy that you're handing over your bank account username and password. If something were to go wrong in that process, where does a bank usually stand? Because you've given up your bank, your username and password to your bank account to someone that, you know, that's kind of outside of the loop. That's, I mean, at its heart, like the one thing that, well, there's many things we would say around security, but the one thing that every bank, I'm sure, would, would always say is, Never give your username and password exactly. to anyone. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's just good advice to live by. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. give my username and password to anyone when it comes to um, my banking, not even my wife. She has her own username and password and I have my username and password even though we share our accounts. Yeah. So it's one of those things where Likewise. good security practice. Coming up with an alternate is really what Online FPOS has been trying to say for those yeah. who want to do a secure, safe debit-based payment. Yeah. Cool. It's been very helpful. Any, oh, any anything else that we should uh, squeeze in before we wrap up? I think that was that was everything. I mean, yeah. I think it was one of the. We were talking a little bit about the talent challenge, but I mean, in general, it's one of those things where if you're an amazing, uh, you know, technologist out there in New Zealand and you're thinking, oh, where could I work? That's an amazing place. That's an amazing tech company, uh, ASB. Go to our careers website. <laughs> we're always looking for great tech talent, and we're not just looking for amazing um, financiers. Those two. And great marketing people and all the other good things. But if you're amazing tech talent, come work for the uh, best tech company licensed and trusted to provide financial services in New Zealand. <laughs> that sounds was like that an shameless advert. enough? Was we're going to have to end this right. Ad, this we're going right. to have to end this right here, James. That's enough. Uh, now, for anyone that does want to get in touch with our uh, advertiser, uh, with, uh, with James, um, what's the best way to track you down? Twitter or? Um, yeah, Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at, at James Bergen. Um, you can obviously find at ASB Bank for, for, the, for, the, for ASB. But for me, at James Bergen, um, I'm, I'm at James Bergen on most things. In fact, you know, Instagram and, and uh, LinkedIn and uh, slightly different with LinkedIn. But yeah, just reach out. Twitter's a good way to reach out. Always, always, always great to meet more from the community and, and have a chat about all things tech and, and New Zealand. Excellent. Well, that's us for uh, for this week, folks. Thanks for listening in. Um, you can track me down across LinkedIn and uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, feel free to email me, uh, paul.spain at gorillatechnology.com if you'd like to get in touch directly. Uh, we've got some great guests coming up over the next uh, few weeks. Um, we, I, I, I try not to say who the guests are because sometimes the dates move around. Yep. So if I announce someone and then, and then they have to sort of postpone at last minute, um, then that hasn't worked. So I'm I'm going to keep following that and not uh, not you know give anything away. But we do have some some really good guests coming up over the next few weeks. Um, so we'll catch you again next week. Thanks everyone. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.